0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Former President Donald Trump and current President Joe Biden were the winners of the New Hampshire primary this week. You've heard. Joining us now to talk through the results and what's next is James Pendle, reporter for the Boston Globe, and Anna Brown, executive director of Citizens Count. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. morning. James, I want to start with you. What does Donald Trump's win say about his hold on the Republican Party here in New Hampshire specifically?
1: look, uh, he has taken over the party nationally and obviously taken over the party here in New Hampshire. You can go through every single, uh, particularly primary election since 2016, and the Trump footprint is everywhere. If he endorses you, you win. And this is the third in a row New Hampshire primary that Donald Trump has won, something that only Richard Nixon has ever pulled off. And if you want to go deeper into the exit polls, he wins among... Pretty much every group, not all, but pretty much every group, he wins both men and women. He wins every single age group. He wins every single uh, uh, region of the state. It was a pretty dominant performance, even though it was only an eleven point win.
0: Now you say that uh, his endorsement—you uh, know—you ha- you win with his endorsement. That's not true nationally across uh, many races around this uh, around the country. You win a
1: primary, you do yeah. not win your election. Okay. And that's right. the same thing, what I meant to say, in New Hampshire. Clearly, sure. uh, Don, you know? a number of candidates for Congress did not win that general election. But it is in terms of you asked about the Republican Party, his, his influence gotcha. of the Republican Party is, is infinite.
0: Yeah, gotcha. We spoke with New Hampshire GOP Chairman uh, Chris Eger on Morning Edition earlier this week, and here's what he had to say about who came out to vote in the Republican primary this week.
2: Well, I think we had record turnout yesterday in the Republican primary, You know, over 300,000. Partly because you had the very passionate pro-Trump turnout. Uh, You know, people would would crawl over broken glass to come vote for him. But you also had the, I don't like President Trump that much. I really want to have an alternative. So both sides came out, which gave us, I believe, that that record turnout. Um, To win in November, President Trump is going to have to appeal to more people and not be as divisive.
0: As Edgar just said, New Hampshire did see a record turnout with that GOP primary. Anna, let's talk more about who ended up coming out to vote for Trump and who rallied behind Nikki Haley instead.
2: So as we've talked about, that hard right Republican base is Trump's bread and butter. But he does have more problems attracting moderate, higher educated, higher income voters who all tended to show up for Nikki Haley this time around. And in fact, some of the places with higher turnout in New Hampshire is due to those independents showing up for the Republican primary and throwing their hat in for Nikki Haley.
0: Now, James, does Trump's win effectively mean that the GOP presidential primary season is over?
1: Yes, Uh, barring something we cannot imagine, uh, and there's always the unknown unknowns as a former, uh, as Don Rumsfeld once told us, uh, and this could be a wild presidential year, uh, but there is simply no path on paper here for Nikki Haley to win the nomination. If she did not win New Hampshire, if she didn't even get within single digits here, remember the goal is to accumulate about 1,200 delegates to the National Convention Every state she gets a close second at, he still gets more delegates. And in some states, because he got over 50 percent, he will get all the delegates. The math does not look good for her. She does not have a math or path
0: right now. Yeah, well, he, she does say that, you know, New Hampshire is just the beginning. She's going to keep going. But Anna, Governor Chris Sununu endorsed Haley. He essentially acted as her running mate in the final stretch leading up to the primary here. What do you think was his political strategy in aligning himself with Haley?
2: It's funny. Sometimes it seemed like he did more campaigning for her than he has ever done on his own campaign trail. Yeah. Um, but I think he truly believes that the Republican Party is not well represented by Donald Trump, that Trump won't be a winning candidate at the national level. And also, you know, we've seen in New Hampshire, certainly that Caroline Levitt, Don Bulduck, some of those other federal candidates with a Trump endorsement have have not won. They haven't been able to bring in that middle. So I think Sununu believes he's working to save the Republican Party.
0: James, now that Haley has lost New Hampshire, what do you expect from from the governor?
1: I mean, look, he's not running for re-election. He has been a very popular governor. I think he's going to stick around. He may go make some money here. Uh, He's always talked about that. Kids are about to go to college. Uh, I don't think he really knows what his future is right now. But he uh, vowed that he would do whatever he could to prevent
0: Donald Trump from being the nominee. He was unsuccessful. And I think we'll have to see where we go from here. Let's turn to the Democratic primary. Anna, wh- what did you expect on primary night? W- were you surprised at all by, by Biden's win or that it was you know called so early in the night after he essentially stumped New Hampshire and, you know, after this write-in campaign?
2: If this was at all a regular sort of primary, I don't think we'd say 64 percent of the vote is an impressive win for an incumbent president. On the other hand, it's very impressive for a write-in campaign. And I was a little surprised that he did so well without his name on the ballot because... Let's face it. There's dozens of names on that ballot. I don't think most people think about writing in credit to the campaign that was run here by state Democrats for that writing campaign. And I think in a weird way, maybe he was helped by Nikki Haley since a lot of moderates moderates who might have voted for Phillips or Williamson over Biden were more interested in voting against Trump on the Republican
0: side. Yeah, that was an interesting aspect of this primary. Absolutely. What about what about you, James? You
1: know there was a reason why Joe Biden tried to make, or made South Carolina the first primary that Democrats recognize over New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a place where he's never done well. Obviously, finished fifth place last time. He was ripe for a primary. The problem is there was no actual primary candidates who took off or really challenged him from the left. If we had a sustained campaign, for example, about Gaza or anything, or climate change, or whatever you want to do from the left in particular, he was a sitting duck, but that never happened. Um, and so uh, it is interesting that he was able to pull off such a big win, but not interesting in the context that none of the other campaigns were really taken seriously by a number of voters. Right.
0: You know, at this point, it, it's very likely that we're going to see this rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in the fall, uh, something that most Americans say they don't want, but yet- here we are. What are some of the issues that each of you see uh, at the forefront uh, for the general election? Anna, I'll start with you.
2: Sure. I mean, it's I think it's immigration, abortion and democracy. That's certainly what polls are showing when people are talking about what's important to them. I think if you talk to voters on the street, those are three issues that are going to come a lot. And I can't believe I'm saying it really, but I think the economy is going to take a little bit of a backseat. It can be a bit muddy issue for Trump because he doesn't always get on board with fiscally conservative policies like, say, revising Social Security. He did also because of tax cuts and then some stimulus spending during covid increase the debt not as much as Biden but certainly increase the debt and then of course Democrats have tried to sell Bidenomics but most people still aren't happy with what they're paying at the grocery store so economics not so much but immigration abortion and uh, democracy for sure.
0: I understand that. I will say that in in the the weeks leading up to the election of course we talked to a lot of voters here in HPR newsroom was was all over the state and we did hear that the economy was top of mind for many people but you're right. National polls show that may not be the case, uh, James. What about you? What What are you watching for with this, you know, general election getting underway? That possibly getting underway. I totally agree with the three that Anna said. I would add a couple here. We're going to talk about age a lot. Both
1: of these are really old nominees. We could talk about their records because obviously both served as president. And I think we're going to be talking about wars a lot uh, in terms of if. This war in the Middle East expands. It's obviously going to have a much bigger impact on this presidential campaign. And lastly, I would say this is not an issue, but a topic was going to have more impact more than how you know can Joe Biden get the left on his side more and more enthusiastic. Is going to be third parties. Uh, we're going to be going. We're about to have a phase here about three or four months where all we're going to talk about are can third parties get ballot access? Are they going to get anything going? They're the ones in this tight race that can actually make the difference in the margins.
0: And Donald Trump did not spend much time here in New Hampshire. Joe Biden refused to participate, obviously, officially. Uh, but they both did come out victorious. And I'm wondering, Anna, what does this say about how the New Hampshire primary has changed?
2: Well, it shows you can win without that organic voter interaction and candidate vetting New Hampshire always boasts about. You can win with a carefully curated social media campaign and a few big rallies. As New Hampshire voters, I think we're losing a little of some of our cred in terms of what we demand from the candidates. Then again, I don't think Nikki Haley would be as far as she is now if it wasn't for the boost from New Hampshire voters. So it's not like we're relevant yet.
0: <laughs> OK, well, slightly less relevant, I suppose. And, you know, as, as politics becomes more nationalized here, James, what is Tuesday's outcome Say about the relevance of the primary to you? It's a
1: smart conversation to have. I mean, New Hampshire's primary has always been challenged every single four years. This one, however, where we stand right now, does seem to be pretty precarious. Obviously, there's no reason to believe that the Democrats will make the New Hampshire primary and the Democratic side first. They didn't this time. Uh, If Kamala Harris is the likely nominee in 2028, I'm not sure that's true, by the way. But if she is, she will use party apparatus to make sure South Carolina, a state she does better in, uh, will go first. And then again, as Anna said, the entire premise of the primary, that you need to show up as a candidate early and often, and you need to take questions from candidates. I mean, we talk about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Nikki Haley didn't take questions from candidates. Last time, Bernie Sanders really didn't hit the hustings and do retail politics. The very notion of the New Hampshire primary has very much changed, and its future is very, very in question.
0: And so it's not just 2024, but but it, it, this is something that's been going on a little bit for for a long time now, piece by piece.
1: Uh, uh, that's right. I, we can talk about more about that we have yeah, in the past. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, there There's were, some structural issues here.
0: I do want to. Before we run out of time here, I want to talk about some special elections. There were four special elections for New Hampshire House seats on the ballot on Tuesday. Anna, what what were those results, and what do they mean for the makeup of the House?
2: So there were two Republican pickups in Coas County, which gives Republicans a little more breathing room in the House. But we're still talking about less than half a dozen of votes in a room of 400. So it's still going to come down to, you know, who shows up on a given voting day in the House, who can make it in bad weather, who has COVID, who has to leave early and pick up the kids. The other two races were just primaries. So those final elections aren't until March, but they're likely to go Democratic. And in one case, there's not even a Republican on the ballot at this point.
0: Okay, so there's some interesting things to watch there. And of course, it always comes Town, as you said to participation who's there on the given day absolutely there are some interesting local races that are going to be shaping us as as shaping, th- shaping up as we head into the general election including of course a gubernatorial race with an open primary on both sides james what races are you following
1: look let's make a broader point before we get down there look uh i don't think people have their heads around this in new hampshire this may be the first time in a generation since 1988 where new hampshire is not considered a swing state. If you look at these exit polls, those folks who voted for Nikki Haley are not inclined to vote for Donald Trump in the general election. And before we even knew that, you know, Joe Biden obviously beat Donald Trump here by seven points, a very solid win in 2020. Every single poll shows that he's going to win between seven and 10. And the fact that it would not be a swing state has humongous impact on downstream or down ballot races, the race for governor, I think you're going to see Kelly Ayotte moving further away from Donald Trump, uh, which is not exactly a comment we would be making three or four weeks ago. She would probably just try to ignore him as she did during primary week. Mm -hmm. But abortion is a major topic. You saw it in the exit polls. And Donald Trump is going to be anchored around her neck. I don't think it's going to be anchored around the congressional race's neck. We're known as a state that has competitive congressional races. I'm not sure we will. And then for that reason there's a lack of money when it comes to yeah. state house races. We're only looking at about 40 house races that will be competitive, maybe you know, uh uh five or six uh state senate districts, one or two executive council districts. This yeah. is not a, we're going to low turnout overall, I think.
0: Okay, well we're going to have to watch that. I to have to end it there, but I do I want to thank both of you. Uh we've got uh you know, just 30 seconds here Anna. What are you watching for as we get into uh to uh to february here
2: well there's parental rights bills gender in schools bills pushing down on zoning laws artificial intelligence consumer privacy i'm all about the state here in new hampshire national is depressing let's focus on what we're doing at home
0: okay unfortunately we've run out of time but we'll be talking to both of you as as the months come on anna brown executive director at citizens count a nonprofit that promotes civics engagement and james pindle a reporter for the boston globe thank you both so much happy friday thank you You can find more of their work at citizenscount.org and bostonglobe.com. And, of course, you can find all of NHPR's coverage of the New Hampshire primary, as always, at nhpr.org. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.